Welcome to Smashing Through Walls with Carla McGee. Whether you are just pulling up a seat to the table, breaking a glass ceiling, or smashing through walls, grab your favorite mug and join us on the first and third Friday at 11 o'clock for candid conversations with industry experts and decision makers as we navigate and explore all the things related to real estate and community. Good morning, Wall Smashers. I'm super excited today where we are not just breaking the glass ceiling, we are smashing down the walls. And I have two fellow Wall Smashers with me that I met at another wall smashing event called Investress, where it's all women, all investors in real estate. And so it's really exciting. And I'm super excited to bring them to you. So I am going to let them introduce themselves. And then we'll get to it. Thank you so much for having us. I appreciate it. It's so nice to see you again, my friend. My name is Shan Gething. I am a licensed agent with my home group. My business is real estate in real life. I am an investor. We have some short, mid, and long-term properties that we rent, and I help my clients do the same. And then today, you're kind of acting as? Today, that's right. I am acting. Um, I am a recent addition to the Scottsdale Short-Term Rental Alliance as a board member, and we work as well with the Arizonans for Responsible Tourism, which is the statewide coalition helping to support the Scottsdale Short-Term Rental Alliance. Awesome. Good morning, Carla. My name is Carrie Schindler. I am with Avant Stay. We are a full-service luxury property management company servicing the vacation rental space. I oversee all of our efforts in Arizona as well as in Colorado, but we are a national company. Um, I, too, am a licensed realtor. I hang my license with my home group as well, and I'm just really excited to be here today. I am super excited to have both of you. How many doors would you say do you manage in like Arizona for short-term rentals? Arizona specifically right now, we're just shy of 70. So 70 homes. Our smallest property is going to be three bedrooms. And for the most part, our properties range on kind of the larger side. Mm-hmm. Um, nationally, about 1,300 homes and growing. So we're, we've kind of expanded our footprint, um, started in, Cal- in California and have grown from there. Well, it sounds like you're definitely hyper-local and a good expert to tap into for short-term rentals. Absolutely. So, super hot topic, right? Because there's always so much going on with short-term rentals, like good, bad, and ugly. Like, there seems to be no in-between, whether you own them and have to deal with neighbors, HOAs, regulations, all the things, or you just enjoy them and you want to know, like, are they are they here to stay? Are they going away? So I'm just curious what I want to tap into Shan first and just kind of like, let's talk about, well, like surface level, what's, what's up what's in going Scottsdale? On? Mm. Yeah, Scottsdale is making a lot of changes or trying to make a lot of changes for short-term rental regulations only because it became a super saturated market very quickly. So they need to address some of the issues that are now happening with so many coming to light in a short amount of time. And of course, we have Super Bowl here next year. So I think that they're also trying to address quite a lot before that time. That makes sense. Like try and get in front of it. Yeah. there's What the city right now is saying is that there's quite a lot of issues that they're dealing with and they'd rather create some regulations that keep things in line and keep the good actors being able to act, so to speak, and the bad actors out of the industry before it gets out of hand. So that's essentially what they're trying to do through new proposed legislation. Well, and like earlier this year, they did the whole fine structure, right? Where it was like, you have to have like a registered property manager. They have to 
respond in an hour or you're going to get fined like $500. Have you dealt with that at all? Have you gotten called in the middle of the night? I thankfully don't get the call in the middle of the night. <laughs> lucky, huh? We lucky. have an amazing operations team that does. And there for a long time, I mean, I've been in this space now just over six years and have always had some sort of, you know, regulatory component and just registering the properties individually. And to your point, Carla, you know, having somebody who's available boots on the ground to respond inside of 60 minutes to an issue that may arise at a property. Um, and so that has always kind of been in place, not that everyone has adhered to it. And so I think that's really where we're starting to see a little bit of more fire put beneath kind of the regulatory component and determining what they can do to actually enforce and regulate and um, ensure, you know, responsible renters and that guests in, in these homes in, in particular are not creating nuisances in their neighborhoods. Well, responsible renters and responsible owners and or property managers, right? Exactly. Correct. More reason to have local property management. It just makes sense regardless. But then once you start adding these regulations into place or fines or anything else, like could you imagine if your property manager was located in like, I don't know, Missouri or something? <laughs> They're like, yeah, we can't be there. So you're just going to get fined. Because I think that that happens a lot. Uh, I belong to a bunch of short-term rental groups on Facebook. You guys probably do too. And you see that where it's like, there's a party happening at my rental and like nobody can nobody can get to it. Like the, the police are being called and things are being complained about. So talk to us too about like how not only A, is it smart to hire a property manager, but what else could someone do to like screen so that that's not happening at their property? Sure. So all great questions. And I think the biggest piece is, you know, employing technology that helps support the effort. Um, so all of our homes are equipped with ring doorbells at, at the egresses um, to ensure we know who's coming and going from properties. We have noise monitoring in all of our homes, both interior and exterior. Noise monitoring? Noise monitoring. What the is level that? of volume? So it's, it's a decibel reading um, as opposed to just like, you know, you, they can't hear conversation. It's, it's strictly decibel monitoring. So if we start to see patterns in decibels that are increasing or inching up, depending on time of day, of course, it alerts our team locally that there could be an issue arising. And typically what we'll look at is a 15-minute interval and to see how many times we're pinging beyond the decibel threshold that has been set. Uh, we have different thresholds based on the asset quality. So, you know, are we talking about condos? Are we talking about single-family homes that are eight feet from your neighbor? Are we talking about estate properties that are kind of, you know, North Scottsdale, Cave Creek, Carefree, Fountain Hills that have a lot more land and they don't really have the ability to, you know, bother their neighbor because their neighbor is 20 acres away or whatever that might look like. So we establish those thresholds that are appropriate for the home and for the neighborhood. Daytime thresholds are slightly higher. Evening thresholds are obviously more, they're lower to um, promote more respect in the neighborhood. I'm like blown away right now. So. We've actually seen that some of this equipment can help when a neighbor is wrongfully reporting that an uh, Airbnb or Verbo was having a party and that host is able to say, nope, look at my noise monitoring. Uh, you're just complaining to complain. Yeah. Wow. Technology, technology, document, 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 yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, and because ultimately the onus falls on us as property managers or us as owners to disprove whatever has been you know, levied against us. Um, it doesn't happen often, but there are definitely neighbors that will create, they're creating their essentially their own nuisance by kind of abusing the 
non-emergency police phone number Mm -hmm. to say there's an issue here or reporting um, in advance, proactively reporting because they think something might be going on. And we also want to make sure, I mean, from a camera standpoint, we're looking at, you know, how many people are coming through the front door at any given time. Where are they parking? Are they creating, you know, a challenge in the neighborhood? Are they blocking somebody's driveway? Are they parked on a street where the HOA or, you know, the the neighborhood disallows street parking? And mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that we're not seeing, you know, a number of cars in the driveway that would exceed occupancy, um, nor do we want those cars to be creating any sort of a challenge for the neighbors that live there. Well, that makes total sense. But they can't have cameras inside the house. No, right? absolutely not. So they're um, they're all exterior facing um, at an egress, as well as anywhere um, that would not be presumed private. So if you think about like the side of your home where your trash cans are, um, that's also an opportunity for us to ensure that our trash ca- our, our trash runners are doing what they're supposed to do, pulling the trash on the days that they're supposed to pull the trash and returning it where it's supposed to be returned. From time to time, if we get larger groups that are in that you know, have done the Costco run, maybe they don't have an, any more room in their trash. And so we can advise them like how to dispose of that stuff before um, trash collection day. And, you know, we can take a look at the camera and make sure that things are being disposed of in bags and that they're collected as opposed to just like a bunch of boxes being thrown in the back or, you know, loose beer cans or soda cans or anything like that. Yeah, I know our rental up in Pine Top. We don't have trash trash service, so we use um, just multiple garbage cans. Yeah. And then my husband runs up every once in a while and dumps them all out. And sometimes the neighbor will talk to me about, like, your your trash cans are full. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we're only on, like, guess two after a dump run like that. There's, like, six. That shouldn't happen. And it's literally beer cans and stuff. And it's not even, like, a loud party because I'll ask them, like, did they disturb you? And they're like, no, they just... They're on vacation. They're just on vacation. Exactly. (laughs) So, and we find a lot of the time too that they won't break down boxes like you would in your own home. Right. Because it's just, I I struggle with that in my own home. You're on vacation. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, they're not necessarily making the best use of the space in the garbage cans. They're just tossing stuff in. So then it becomes, you know, it might not be full, but it's not optimized. That makes sense. I'm still really curious about this noise meter thing, though, because that's not something we've ever had to use, probably just because, I don't know, our rental must not be conducive to, like, parties. But You know, I think it's one of those that a lot of property management companies are utilizing now. Um, It's something that, you know, I've experienced over the last six years that I've been doing this at multiple companies. Um, And we also do Wi-Fi monitoring. So we'll um, detect the number of devices that are available within the individual network. And we assume that, you know, the average person has two to three devices. Right. And so if you have a home that sleeps 10 people, it wouldn't be uncommon to have 25 to 30 devices connected to the Wi-Fi. Um, it's when we start to see that climb over the course of a reservation that, again, just, you know, puts up a little bit of a red flag for us mm-hmm. and allows us to have a little bit better um, oversight and to ensure that that doesn't continue to be an issue. And then paired to, you know, any noise issues or any um, excessive activity by cameras, you know, it just kind of gives us a much fuller picture. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think guests are very well intended. Um, a lot of these things are employed because of the anomaly, not for, you know, the right. average guest. It's the exception to the average guest that creates the problems. Always one bad apple. Exactly. Right? That's the issue. And the bad apples are probably what's prompting Scottsdale. That's exactly right. <laughs> to mm-hmm. create create their rules and regulations. Yeah. So tell us some of the stuff that they're proposing versus like, what you're doing to try and 
yeah. uh, get our, get fe- get our feedback in. Yeah. So it's important to sort of note that the statewide legislation that was passed is into effect now. That was Senate Bill 1168. That allowed, it said that at the state level, no city can prohibit a short-term or vacation rental. However, certain cities, it allows the cities to be able to make guidelines within a few categories that they can take on on themselves. So for example, Paradise Valley could have something different to Scottsdale to Tempe to Phoenix, but within certain parameters, not on any category you could ever think of. It's specific things. So what they originally changed was mostly due to the parties, the noise, the issues that we were finding, the trash, all of that. So that's now been into effect um, somewhat recently where there are different violations that you can have if you are not adhering to these party reduction regulations is what I like to call them. So you cannot market that you are a residential home that allows weddings, parties, shooting pornos, whatever. That stuff's all prohibited. But in this new language that is now drafted, um, it is definitely not, it's a little bit um, robust at the moment. And we are open to a lot of feedback in the next week or two to present to the city as to what we think. But in this drafted language that the city has proposed in their last city council meeting, it goes a little bit further and and has its own licensing and permit system within the city of Scottsdale. And the goal within this permit is to uh, make sure that they are working with any public health and safety concerns that they have reached. So before it was about noise ordinances. That was kind of the short working title for the ordinance. Now this is about public health and safety. So they are looking at things like background checks, sex offender checks for every guest that is in the home. That can be a little bit of an issue um, just because as hosts, as a host, I know that you're working typically with the person making the reservation, not necessarily everyone walking through your door, but that's part of our conversation we're having. There's things like bi-monthly pest control being required. There's things, of course, like if you have a pool, you need to make sure that you're, you know, some of it is pretty non-reasonable. It's pretty reasonable. Um, Fire extinguishers, a posted fire plan, how to exit if there's a fire. So a lot of it is really a lot of the professional management companies are probably doing a lot of this anyway. The issue we have with some of the language is it's too vague or too robust and not very specifically clear as to how a property owner who is not using a management company can make sure that they're in compliance. And what is the city going to do to get proof of this? We can't, it's a privacy issue. If we do run a background or sex offender check on a guest, we can't just post that on a city public website. So there's a lot of things that we have to work with with the language to figure out where are we compromising, where are we tweaking, but where are we just getting more specific to say this is exactly how we want you to operate. And then is this an annual, the way it's drafted is it's an annual license that you would have to renew every year. Is it rather something that you can just apply for and it's, it stretches a longer amount of time? I don't know. There's a, these are the working things that we're trying to address and get feedback from other short-term rental hosts and property managers. We're working with a lot of vendors so that in the next week or two, we can come together and decide what we want to see, I guess, further explained in these documents. And then at the end of the month, the city of Scottsdale is wanting to take a vote on this language. Wow. And so you guys are trying to help speak up for like the individual owner or you know, somebody who's maybe not using a property management company, because it seems like a property management company, correct me if I'm wrong, is utilizing a lot of those those items. Maybe not the background checks, because that 
could be fairly excessive, but like fire extinguishers, a fire plan. That, yeah. That just protects the property owner. Exactly. I mean, right. we we do everything we can to mitigate any associated risk that we as managers have or owners have when they are renting out their homes as a short-term rental. Because at the end of the day, I mean, this is a business. And so businesses have regulations and we're all for responsible, you know, regulations and things that are not necessarily overreaching or to Shan's point, we might run into some privacy concerns. And in theory, it sounds like a great idea, but in reality, it's going to be very difficult to execute. I'm wondering less, well, yes, equally about privacy, but also discrimination as well. A hundred percent. Right. And and you look at, you know, the hotel bodies that, you know, these are not things that have to be done in hotels. And ultimately, you know, short-term vacation rentals are taxed, occupancy taxed like a hotel. And so it seems as though there there are certain things that they'd love to adopt from the hotel side and then things that they don't want to adopt from the hotel side. So there's a commercialization piece on the hotel side that allows, you know, hotels to operate the way that they operate and efficiently for a reason to intend to put that on an individual owner operator, not even a property management company. There's just so much that's nuanced about the hotel space and the operation of a hotel that where, to Shan's point, where are they going to go get that information? How are you going to assure that these things are being adhered to? Inspections are done in hotels. Certificates of occupancy are provided in in hotels. So it it becomes a a point of, you know, are they trying to over-regulate in order to eliminate you know, a lot of these rentals, or are they truly trying to regulate for the safety, the benefit of the city, of the neighborhoods, of, you know, the neighbors? Right. And that makes total sense, right? Are you trying to over-regulate it to a point where it just becomes a pain for people so they just don't want to do it anymore? Maybe it's easier to put a long-term tenant in there, and so they're just like, never mind. It seems like, especially with some of that. My feeling was uh, initially, yeah, they, I mean, why not throw a bunch of things and see what sticks and, and also in a short amount of time before it's passed. Um, so that's why we're trying to work with the community, different members, short-term hosts, neighbors, pros, cons, everything, just so that we're all coming together before this language passed, because once it's passed, it's going to be taken pretty literal. It's harder to get language changed than it is to just adopt new language. So they did that by design, I think. I'm sure they did. Do you think that once Scottsdale adopts any language that other cities will just then follow suit? We do know that a few cities are waiting to see what happens in Scottsdale, yes, yeah, to decide what they will do. Well, and it makes sense. Like if you think of Arizona, if you're not from Arizona and you think of Arizona, you immediately think of like Phoenix or Scottsdale. Like Scottsdale. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so, but if you're going to vacation or whatever, then right, then Scottsdale, like Mm -hmm. that's where people want to go. That's what draws them there. Mm -hmm. That's where they Mm -hmm. offer the bachelorette parties or, or porn houses. (laughs) We all laugh, but it's really a thing. It's, it's legitimate. That is not allowed just for the record. Right. That's not allowed. Don't do that. (laughs) But it happens. I was just don't over occupy the house while you're doing it and make sure you have a photo and video release from your property manager. (laughs) Those are good tips. Hire a property manager. (laughs) Call Carrie. Call Carrie. Um, I was reading on the short term uh, rental Facebook group today that I they posted a picture of phallic glitter. And I was like, what is that? And I was looking Mm. and they were like, I don't. uh, Does anyone else charge an excess cleaning fee? 
for glitter from bachelorette parties. Does it have to be phallic to or to get an probably extra not? Cleaning they just fade. called it glitter and confetti. <laughs> yeah. The the photo that caught my attention was phallic. Of course, it does. yes, and it usually does. Right. So, do you guys charge an additional cleaning fee for that? They were like three hundred bucks in addition to for glitter. You know, we we do take into account you know excessive trash or excessive cleaning that does have to you know occur following a group or a guest. Oftentimes, it's very situational, case by case. You know, there's not this like blanket, like, oh, you you left more than X amount of trash, therefore we're going to charge you for it. And ultimately, I mean, if it's glitter, if it's dust, if it's dirt, if it's whatever, it's going to vacuum. Um, so it's, I think it's a cost of doing business, quite honestly. Now, if you have Agreed. somebody who came and trashed your house, that's a right. different story. But if you're advertising or you're set up, to attract those types of groups, then you're kind of getting exactly what you asked for. So, you know, make sure that you're, that you have enough of a buffer in there to know that like, there's going to be a time or two where you might have some excessive cleaning fees. But again, it's not the norm. It's the anomaly. Right. I, we're going to Sedona soon and we rented a pet friendly short-term rental because we have two dogs and they charged me an additional $200 for my dogs, which Mm -hmm. is, that's fine. And then she's like, and if there's excess shedding, there's another thousand dollar fee for cleaning. And I'm like, what's excess though? There's two dogs. You accept pets. Like Mm -hmm. you already say that it's already a pet friendly listing. Like what, how do you determine what is excess versus what's like normal? I, I really, I wanted to question her, but I don't want to like raise any red flags. flags. I think, I mean, ultimately a lot of that is to deter, again, to deter the bad actor, to deter the people that are like, oh, I just got this new 10 week old puppy and I'm taking it into a vacation rental. (laughs) Like we know what's going to happen there. And yeah, unless you're like the best pet owner of all time. But (laughs) I mean, it's, it's also to kind of cover the couch cleaning fee. I mean, you have to call an upholsterer to come out and clean it. And, you know, even if it's a Stanley steamer, not that this is a plug for them, uh, but, you know, I mean, to clean a couch, it's not inexpensive. And then you also have to take into account that they're not going to necessarily know that they have to clean that couch until they walk in at departure day. So now you're also looking at a rushed clean fee. Got it. Um, So if you do need to call in one of those people, then, you know, you're asking them to get out. If you have a back-to-back, you have to turn that house in four to five hours. Mm -hmm. What's the likelihood that you're actually going to be able to get somebody in there to do it? So I think it's also a bit of a fail-safe to say that, you know, if the next guest that's arriving has a problem with the previous guest that departed, there's probably going to be a refund that's given. So they want your $1,000 to cover their backside in case that next guest comes in and they're dissatisfied because you weren't as good of a pet owner, not you, of course, um, as you suggested to be. And so it's, it's tricky because a lot of the listing platforms anymore are far more favorable to guests than they are to hosts, which is not how it used to be. So if you were to try to charge a guest after the fact, Shan, Shan, yeah, Shan, I mean, Shan probably has experienced it more, you know, personally than I, and I have simply because I don't operate, but it's like pulling teeth to try to get anything. And there's so much proof that's required. And then ultimately, I mean, even if you provide a litany of proof, they're still siding with the guest and you're never going to get that money. And now you've wasted all this time, all this energy, all these resources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, I mean, it's true. We all wish that there was more accountability put on the guest right. um, for adhering to the terms, but it's one of those that, you know, it's just, it's tough to nail them down. Yeah. I want to hear more about you having to go try and get 
additional funds out of? Well, really the conversation we've talked a little bit ad nauseum about is that when I started in late 2015, it was so rare that they were, these platforms were almost bending over backwards to get good hosts and they would do anything to protect the host. And they really put the host on a pedestal to make sure that they were providing an experience. And I have noticed personally that in the last few years, and I understand why this is, but in the last few years, they're now in guest protection mode and they have a lot of hosts and whether if I choose to not list with them, somebody else will. And so they're not as concerned about my needs. So I've had a few different stories, nothing, my home, I'm knocking on wherever wood is in here, nothing, you know, bad has ever happened damage wise to my properties. But I've had some interesting fraud scam situations happen that I've had no protection in the last year wow. from these platforms because now this is a global phenomenon. A lot of people are catching on to these platforms. And I hate to say it, but there's now some fraud and some scams happening that you never saw at first. Hmm. So a lot of the requests that come in, you know, you can spend all this time going back and forth. And I same, I came very close to letting one particular person have access to my property that should never even gotten that far. But I had this fair, the platform said, well, I verified this guest and I lost out on a ton of money and a mm -hmm. reserve. My calendar had been blocked for four months because of this. And at the end of the day, if I had gone after this person for what I could probably prove was fraudulent, it wasn't going to be worth my time because all that the platform was saying is, well, you caught him good for you. And we didn't charge you a cancellation fee. Wow. Whereas You're years welcome. ago, yeah, You're it was, welcome. yeah welcome. they essentially said to me like, well, we released your calendar without giving you any penalty on our algorithm. Whereas years ago, that would never, they would have, they would have made sure that that was, that situation was handled appropriately. Wow. Do you guys use the platforms, the very typical yes, common platforms? Absolutely. So, I mean, we do, um, but it brings up, you know, the the benefit of diversifying your channel, your distribution, yeah. so that you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. uh, we see a lot of individual owners and operators, they do that. They say, oh, I'm only going to advertise on this one platform because it's easier. And now you're not actually having to manage multiple channels, multiple calendars to assure against double bookings and to ensure that, you know, your rates are consistent. There's parity between the websites that your response time is strong on Airbnb, it's strong on Verbo, it's strong, you know, on all across all these different plant, these channels. And so ultimately, you know, a property manager, we've got the benefit of, you know, backend technology that allows us to synchronize our calendars, to avoid mm -hmm. double bookings, um, to identify, you know, gaps in the reservations that we could maybe, you know, push out uh, a promotion for. If we're not getting it on Airbnb, maybe we're going to get it on Verbo, maybe we're going to get it on our own platform on Marriott Homes and Villas. So it gives us a lot more control mm -hmm. over, you know, what we're doing with our listings. And I see, you know, a lot of the times in the chatter and like the STR Facebook groups is, you know, I, I couldn't find my listing and all of a sudden I realized it had been um, frozen. And, you know, that can happen because maybe a guest lobby, lobbies a complaint that is unfounded. Maybe you called them out for bringing a dog to your not pet friendly property and now they're, you know, getting contentious about it. And they call Airbnb and say, I'm being spied on. I think there's mm. cameras in the house. So they freeze your So listing. they freeze your listing. And then you can't transact. You can't leave reviews. I mean, you can't really do anything. And so you have these owners that are then, you know, they thought that they were partnering with 
an Airbnb, a Verbo, uh, right. you know, any of these listing platforms, and then come to find out that they don't actually have anyone that they can speak to on the other end, that, you know, they filed a, a claim or opened a ticket, and it could be mm. two weeks, three weeks, maybe mm. a month before someone actually gets back to you. And now you have a month with, you know, maybe you had reservations, those reservations fall off. And now you're not advertising, so then your visibility on the listing platforms is going to be um, negatively impacted. It just kind of snowballs. Exactly. Big algorithm. We just had my, two of my favorite house hackers on mm. the podcast, and one of them, we 1031'd his house hack into two short-term rentals up in the White Mountains. Awesome. And afterwards, we went out to lunch. We were having a great conversation, and he was asking me about Airbnb, and I was like, I actually don't even use it. I just, I've always had good luck with Verbo, so I just mm-hmm. kind of roll with that. And so I get a text message like a week later that says, thanks for the tip. I finally put it on VRBO, and I got a Christmas week booking, like, within two days. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so he, because he was starting to have issues with the platform, and he couldn't figure out why. And so it probably just part of that snowball effect. Yeah. they He had, like, an issue with a comforter, and they were trying to Mm -hmm. make a claim. And, like, who knows, like, how how that kind of snowballed over and over. Yeah. I like to say that Airbnb is a tech company that figured out the short-term rental industry, whereas Verbo was a short-term rental industry that happened to figure out the tech behind it. I would agree with that. That's changing every day, year, month, but I have noticed the shift in that. And so I do think you typically get a different guest booking on Airbnb versus Verbo, but there's others. I mean, we always just talk about those two and I hate it because... That's just, are those are others. just the brand names, right? Yeah. There's others. And even, I mean, I do a lot of midterm and long-term rentals mm-hmm. too that I can still market on those platforms, whatever those other ones might be called, and set minimum days. And, you know, there's a lot more yeah. to it than just knowing those two platforms. I think that's really good advice though. So if somebody is like utilizing all the different platforms, because just even off the top of my head, it's like Airbnb, Verbo, Furnish Finder, Vacasa, like there's a ton of them, right? So... Like, how are they managing their calendar on the backside if they're not utilizing a property manager, if they're just kind of on their own? There's a tech that you can buy. So, I mean, it's just one of those, it it becomes far more of a sophisticated operation as an individual. And more often than not, you know, we find that individual operators and owners, you know, they're doing other things. Like Shan's the perfect example. This is not her one thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you have multiple properties, especially, you know, buying software is totally... I mean, it's smart to do, but right. you'll get that money back. If you have one house, it's probably not worth it. And yeah. this, you know, you're clearly doing other things. Now, what those other things are, who knows? But it becomes a, is it worth it to invest in this? Or do I just put my eggs in one basket because it's easier and less expensive? And ultimately, every, you know, every owner needs to kind of make that decision for themselves. Whereas, you know, companies like ours, you know, we have the ability to control right. it all in the back end. We do all of our own um, tech development inter- like internally. So yeah. we have a really robust engineering team that just cranks out products constantly um, yeah. to improve the guest and the owner experience and then you know the back-end integration as well, which is so important. Well, and I can tell you, I'm one of those people that, and I don't know if it's an age thing too, like maybe a generational thing, but I go to Verbo first. Like I look at my property there first to go see what I want. And then if I can't find it, I'll go over to Airbnb. I de- it, there's definitely a demographic that yeah. that follows. Um, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that okay. there there is mm-hmm. a bit of kind of a generational divide between the two. And I think, I think Verbo's been around, mm-hmm. you know, longer. Agreed. And so I think that a lot of, I mean, my parents, for instance, like, 
they would go to a Verbo right. before they go houses. to an Airbnb. Right. Well, and I think the way they kind of started too, back to your mm-hmm. point, is like, in my opinion, back when this all started, it was like Verbo was vacation rental by owner. It mm-hmm. was a home. And Airbnb was like to rent out a room. A space. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, and then they've all just kind of like blended and sure. become the same thing. And, but it's like, so that's why I still kind of go to that, right? Like I want to rent a house. So I go here and I want, I, Absolutely. I wouldn't rent a room. Maybe that's the whole well, demographic thing. <laughs> and I, and I can't remember what year it was, but that big like snowstorm blackout on the East coast when like no one had power for like three, four days. Wow. And I'm assuming a bunch of guys, but they went to like Central Park and built an igloo in the middle of Central Park and put it on Airbnb. <laughs> so it's like, hey, you know, I kudos for being resourceful and right. like that for making a little thinking, bit of like yeah, a, you know, marketing stunt. Right. But ultimately, you know, Verbo had a little bit more um, qualifications right. that were required. Right. And you couldn't put an igloo on there. It's you could, so weird. You couldn't put a random igloo <laughs> for which you had no ownership of in the middle of Central Park. You know, no. But I think that, you know, Airbnb has always catered to a bit of a younger demographic just mm-hmm. because of it's sexy, it's flashy, it's easy. Right. Um, and we know that, you know, the younger demographic doesn't necessarily want to spend the time or the energy researching. They want to trust that what's on the other side of that app is accurate. Right. Um, and I think that for the older crowd um, or the more seasoned traveler crowd, um, wants a little bit more confidence in their booking process. And well, so, right. They're maybe bringing their kids or, you know, they just, it's a family They're vacation. typically staying longer too. Oh, and people who are true. using Verbo are looking to rent a beach house for a month or a week or whatever versus Airbnb also caters to a lot of the modern work travel. So okay. um, it used to be that if you're traveling for business, you would stay in a hotel. But now if you're traveling somewhere and you want a little kitchenette or whatever you Maybe a one-bedroom condo. Something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Airbnb did figure out how to better implement on the business side. So I saw that a lot initially or traveling nurses or things like that mm-hmm. where it's not just, oh, my family wants to, you know, check out the snowbirds who are coming to Scottsdale for a month or I think the beach house always comes to my mind because people have been renting beach houses for a week at a time. For like decades, forever, forever. Yeah. Correct. And so now that there's just a lot of other people and other reasons why people are renting out residential homes, that's why we have all of this chaos going on and trying to figure out what's what and who who's in compliance and who's not. Right. So do you guys feel like there's still opportunity in the Valley for more short-term rental owners? I do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's roughly 6,000 listings in the Valley exclusively, like to Phoenix, Scottsdale, Paradise Valley. Um, I don't really operate outside of that bubble, Mm -hmm. so I can't talk about like West Valley. But of those 6,000, I mean, you have to assume probably half of them are actually full-time STR. Um, So now you've got 3,000 that are the people that are like, oh, well, I live here October to April. So my house is only available to rent April to October. Not a full-time rental, Got not necessarily it. something that, you know, we would look at as like true competition. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, you have to peel back the layers on on the inventory that is available. And it's not necessarily that, you know, there's too much or there's too little or there is opportunity, there isn't. You have to find it, right? right? Like you have to find the right property in the right location with the right amenities, with the right configuration in order for this to be something that's investable. And I work primarily with investors. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're always looking at, okay, what's the cost of the home? What's the cost to furnish and operate mm-hmm. this home? And then what's your cap rate on it? Right. And so, you know, I think that there was 
kind of a, a bit of a misnomer in the last 12 months where the um, suggestion is that, oh, all these investors came into Scottsdale and just bought up all the inventory. And that's why the prices have gone up significantly. But I think that, you know, dealing with investors and knowing investors and being investors, when do investors overpay for something? Almost never, because they want ROI to be really strong. And so what I think, and this is just my gut reaction, is that we had a lot of people moving to the Valley, moving out of primary cities that were predominantly vertical. So Mm -hmm. you're New York, Chicago, Mm -hmm. LA, San Francisco. They wanted more space. They were willing to overpay because the cost of living here is so much less than it is in a lot of these other primary cities. And they were willing to overpay for the school district, for the neighborhood, for the big backyard, for all of these other things that you can't really, you know, give an investor or convince an investor. Like, right. They're you, emotional. Exactly. Right. Like, you, the investor doesn't care that you're in the Hopi school district versus Creighton. You know, they, they don't care. They want to know what they're going to make. Right. So they're not going to go and pay 10% over ask or 10% over fair market value because it's the school district that their short-term rentals are never going to use. Like, it doesn't make sense. And so I think to blame investors on what happened to the market is It's so multifaceted. It is. is. I mean, really, if you were working in that space, you saw everything. And it kind of came down to, like, why? Why are you buying here? Exactly. Right? And like you were saying, if if you were in a vertical city, like a congested city, and you're coming here from a space, because they didn't feel like they were overpaying. No. No. They thought they were getting a deal. Right. They're like, you know what? Like this million dollars in San Francisco Mm -hmm. would barely buy me a studio. Right. You know, in Oakland. Right. So they're like looking at these beautiful homes with these beautiful yards, with a pool, with a you know, with weather that feels like we're on vacation all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I just, yeah, sold my one bedroom condo for the same amount. Sure. I'll pay 30,000 more. Like it's like, it's like monopoly It's meaningless, especially when you talk, I mean, you know, on a mortgage for 30 years, I mean, your payment is another hundred bucks a month. Like it's nothing. Yeah, Yeah. it's nothing. And so, you know, investors aren't doing that because they're, they're spending cash yeah. most often. You know, right. they're they're not coming well, in and, and financing. Yeah, if they are leveraging rentals. with financing or anything else, it's they're doing it. Smart. They have other strategies. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think too with the short term rentals, going to the why makes sense as well. When you were talking about the person who's going to live there for like months at a time, I have people because I'm originally from Seattle, and so I'll have people call me, and they're being of a certain age. Some of my friends are now looking Mm -hmm. to retire soon-ish, right? Like they're in their 50s now and they're like, it's knocking on our door um, faster than we would like to admit. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, hey, the bank won't give me a loan unless I'm employed. So I would rather get a loan now on a home that I can enjoy on vacations, rent out to my friends, put up on one of the short-term rental platforms. I don't really need to make a ton of money on it. Like, as long as it covers my mortgage, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to pick your neighborhood, your maybe school district backyard versus like what what is the return on this going to be? Totally. I mean, we've I've had owners over the years that have, you know, they're they're planning their retirement 10 mm-hmm. years in advance. Yep. They found a great house. They love the neighborhood. They love the views. They love, you know, I've several owners that bought in Troon in like unincorporated Troon where they had no neighbors behind them. So nice. they just had these insane desert vistas. They oh. had hiking trails behind their homes. But they live, you know, in New York or in Switzerland right. or in France. And, you know, they know that they're going to come back maybe twice a year for the next 10 years. And then mm-hmm. on year 11, they're moving here. Yep. And so they're 
they typically plan to do some major enhancements or renovations, you know, at the end of any sort of an agreement that we might have with them from a property management standpoint. And then it can be the house that they really want it to be, but in the location that they knew that they weren't going to be able to duplicate if they had waited five, six, seven, eight years. A hundred percent. I wanted to chime in on the why, you know, why someone's doing this, because that's been a passion point of mine when I started in 2015, 2016, I really treated short-term renting basically like a bed and breakfast. It was a passion point for me. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I felt like I was checking that creativity box of mine. Mm -hmm. You know, you can redesign and style these places. At the time, it was unique, but I used to leave the gift baskets. That's definitely not unique anymore. My welcome guides, my welcome books. I made friends with these people and I actually made clients with a lot of my guests. And so I want still to this day, I want the flexibility to not be so set and it has to be this crazy investment getting a crazy amount of cash flow every month on all of my properties. I don't necessarily look at it that way. Some of my properties, I'm okay making good money, but not insane money if I can put a potential client or a family member or someone in there who's renovating their own home or relocating here and they're looking for a place to to purchase. I mean, there's different reasons why people do this. Mm-hmm. So I want to keep in mind, you know, for everyone, it's not, it's not only a way to make you a ton of income, but it can be. And if you're going to go that route and you're looking at it at strictly from the investing route, you do need a property manager is my Mm -hmm. opinion because I am a self-managing host, but it's again, because I want this flexibility to let someone in for a six month lease. And I want someone to be able to, you know, extend with me as it goes. And if that's your goal, there's definitely opportunities and there's ways to kind of tickle, tickle that creative itch, if you want to call it that. I find a lot of people, oh my gosh, I want to really get into this because it looks so fun on TV to style a home. (laughs) No, if you're looking to make money, you really need to do it, especially now that things have changed so much. You really need to look at it and hire professionals right? because it's, it can easily kind of suck you in. Well, and like I know with my clients, my first question to them is what are your goals? Right. Exactly. Always. Yeah. Tell me about your goals, your long term and short term goals in terms of real estate. What are we doing with that? And if they're depending on what that is, like the retired couple. Perfect. That piece of cake. Let's go get it done. But right. If you're just like, oh, I just it looks like fun. Then that's this is probably isn't the one for you. But maybe there's some other options we can look into. But it's like it's really under it's really important to understand why. And if they're an investor, I always recommend property management. We always build that in as part of the uh, an expense to the NOI for the cap rate Mm -hmm. um, so that it makes sense to them. Right. So if you're not an investor, if you don't have a bunch of cash laying around and you want to get into the short-term rental game, you've listened to this, you know it's going to be a lot of work and you're ready to roll up your sleeves, like how can they get into it in like kind of the market we're in right now? If your financing is is going to be maybe a little bit tough, so you certainly need to make sure you're buying right, which prices right now are perhaps alluding to that, that you can start to find some deals out there. So be patient, making sure you're finding the right property. People are, guests are getting much more picky now as to what the property offers amenity-wise. So you do need to wait and find the right property at the right price if you're financing, but it's still doable. And if you have a, let's call it 7% interest rate for the next year or two, and then they come down, okay, hopefully this is a more long-term goal that you own this property and you can pivot if you need to. I actually find that 
buying the property is one of the only things people really think about as expensive. But really, in today's world, designing, furnishing, keeping Mm -hmm. up with the Jones as to what is attracting the higher paying guest is almost more cumbersome, I feel like, than just buying the property. I mean, in that state, you're just buying real estate, which I always encourage, no matter the market, really. Um, There's opportunities there. You just have to make sure you're finding the right property. Right. Like, no longer can you just use your hand-me-down furniture. Absolutely not. No. When I started, that was exactly what yeah, you could do. Me mm-hmm. too. Like I bought it all off like the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, mean, granted, Ikea. I had like a design to it because it's sure. cabiny. But Same. no, now you have to like go buy like the vignettes and the designs. So like Instagram walls. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, we, a big part of what Avant State offers is we have a full interior design team in-house. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, we want to position our homes so there's consistency and aesthetics from property to property in each region, but also from coast to coast. So we want guests to know when they're walking into an Avant Stay property, mm-hmm. this is an Avant Stay home. Wow. So we have, you know, several um, experiential elements that we incorporate or weave through all of our homes. And then we look to, you know, the region, the location, the architecture, the existing style mm-hmm. that, you know, kind of speaks to us that the home has. And then we design from there. And all too often, I'll, I mean, I, I have it all the time. I, probably daily. I talk to owners They're like, well, I mean, I mean, it's fine what I have. Mm-hmm. And you ask my husband, you ask my family, I hate the word fine. I mean, fine to me is like the worst. Yeah. Because it's just fine to me is like, you put no thought into it. It's, it's like ex- mediocre. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's acceptable. But like, right. when was the last time you went out to dinner? We're like, man, it was fine. Rushing to go back. Can't wait to go back. Yeah. Can't never. Wait back Can't wait to there. spend a lot of money. Yeah. There. Like, right. wow. Like, get never get those two hours back in my life. And that experiential design is really, I mean, it's it's a part of what really does set us apart. Even better that we can offer a design service on a complimentary basis. Oh. Um, so the designers work for Avant Stay and, you know, we all work to position these homes so that they're going to, you know, get the premium rentals throughout the year, not just during the peak season. Right. And we did actually, I was on a call today with, um, our, we do a bi-weekly all company call and they actually did uh, market research with a lot of our guests to ask kind of, you know, if you're booking or, you know, if you've booked, what was the purpose of your booking? Was it family? Was it friends? And for those that were booking, you know, friend trips, couple trips, um, you know, not multi-generational family trips, location was the was the primary concern. Aesthetics was the secondary. Uh, when we're kind of surveying them on the family side, location's primary amenities were secondary. Mm. And so what we're seeing more and more is that our consumers are telling us that they're going to gravitate towards good design. They want to stay somewhere. And I always tell my owners, you want to go on vacation and stay somewhere that's either as or better than how you live day to day. You want something that's aspirational Mm -hmm. because we live in this Instagram, this TikTok world where all we want to do is share to get likes, right? Yeah. Like we we don't want to put something up mediocre and expect like people are going to rave about it. Right. Like, hey, look at this like 2001 house that I'm staying in. Like, it's not that cool. Well, like no one's going to post that. No, I can tell you like for me when I stay at short-term rentals, one of the reasons I like staying in hotels is because I like nice bedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of money on my personal bedding. Mm-hmm. So if your bedding in your rental does not meet my expectations, I'm like you're mad. About it. Yeah, yeah, you don't want the scratchy it, comforter. No, you don't no want your mom's Afghan. You know, you no, don't want... No bed in a bag. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, well, and, and both of you were there when um, I spoke on the panel at Investress, but like those pillows don't get washed. 
and, you know, the throw pillows and the, you know, the polyester covered pillows or like that have horrible Mm -hmm. design, like those get thrown on the floor. Mm -hmm. I do it too. Mm -hmm. And throw pillows. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But nobody wants that. Like no one's booking um, a hotel that is dated. No. And has a comforter. What do you think and the first review is? Totally. They're like, the, it was clean, but it was dated. It yeah. was right? fine. It was, it was fine. fine. Right. It was fine. Or yeah. they just don't leave a review. And yeah. so, and, you know, so much of what we thrive on is, you know, feedback. And right. we want those, obviously, we want all the reviews to be five star. Um, and if they're not, we'd like them privately. You know, those reviews are are what sow confidence in the consumer. Right. And so, you know, you look at a home that's beautifully designed and it has no reviews, then you question why. And, you know, it could be for a lot of reasons. Maybe it's a brand new listing, right. in which case, like, all right, there's always got to be the Somebody's first. Somebody's got to start. Exactly. But if it's evident that it's not a new listing and it has no reviews, as a consumer, I would probably move on. Yeah. Because if all of these other people have theoretically stayed and left nothing, eh. Right. It was probably fine. It was probably just was probably fine. Fine. So before we have to wrap up, I want to talk about one more topic, which is the Super Bowl is yes. coming in February. And I see so many different like strategies on the STR Facebook pages. Like I'm still blacked out and I'm waiting. And they're like, I already increased my rates or, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't increase them at all. And I just let people have a nice place to stay. So it's a gift. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I am not that person. I am yeah. not that nice. <laughs> so I want to hear what you guys are doing or what your thoughts on. And if you come across any tickets, call your girl because mm-hmm. I want to go. Obviously. <laughs> Yeah, that would be uh, fun. That would be right. I have not yet opened my calendar for March. Uh, excuse me. I have not yet opened my calendar for January 15th and on in 2023. I plan on doing that in about November. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I feel like, yes, of course, getting more later on if there's just less things available. But I feel like until people really know if their team is going to be playing, I don't want to be dealing with refunds. I don't want to be dealing with people just booking something to have it and then passing it on to somebody else. But I'm a small local host. I mean, it's, you know, probably more something I just don't want to deal with it later. But also once the hotels are all booked up and there's not a lot of options left, people will pay more. Got it. The hotels will always have NFL blocks. So that's kind of first and foremost. And NFL will come in and commit. Um, I have a long history in the hotel space. So I was a hotel salesperson for my first career. And NFL will come in and basically has first right of refusal over pretty much every major um, hotel brand in the Valley. Meaning like I have tickets and the NFL, like when I look at my tickets, it says, you should stay here kind of thing. A little bit. Okay. So um, where they're placing teams. So I've been oh, very fortunate. I've, I've stayed at, yeah, I've stayed, oh, at, okay. I've stayed at two. I've worked at two hotels that have both been hosts of teams. Huh. So um, I've seen this happen. I mean, this is our third Super Bowl in 16 years, which is pretty awesome. It I mean, is? It's great for the in city. Arizona? Yeah. So we did 2008, 2016, and then this year, or oh. 23. But... We open our calendars for 365 days. So all of our calendars are open for 12 full months. Uh, We do look at minimum lengths of stay. We look at stay pattern. And we look at, obviously, the nightly rate. Um, So I want to say right now we're probably at like a 5x on premium um, from what the standard rates would be over. And we also have to remember... It's also Phoenix Open. And Phoenix Open will always, always command uh, a premium. And so, you know, we're we're resting on, on our confidence that not only will it demand a premium, it will demand an ultra premium. 
those longer lengths of stays, you will get them. And what I tell, you know, a lot of people that are kind of waffling of like, what do I do? And when do I do it? Is don't open your calendar for a two or a three night stay. Somebody will book it. And now you've just completely cut off your nose to spite your face. So, you know, for those that are willing to take a two or a three night booking, God bless you because the rest of us will are not. Yeah, we will not. But we will also like, that's the reason is because we know that those stays are going to be longer. To Shan's point, we don't know who's playing in the Super Bowl. So it's true. We it's all really, think our team is going. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Bears fan, so mm, I'm, not, I'm not terribly confident. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it is important to think about that. And, you know, I would err on the side of caution if I was an individual manager. And, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily not open my calendar, but I would put a longer length of stay, maybe a right. five or a seven night. Um, I would start it on that Wednesday so that you don't get, you know, a five night minimum that is arriving on Tuesday and, Mm -hmm. you know, leaving on Sunday, Saturday. Um, You want to you want them to carry through that Monday because especially with I mean, the game is going to be late on Sunday and you want them checking out on Monday or Tuesday as opposed to, you know, trying to duck out and like, oh, can I get a late checkout? Yeah. So just to be smart about that and, you know, look at look at what your neighbors are doing, honestly. I mean, it's so important. You would ask the question about what to do to get into this space if you're not, you know, terribly liquid or mm-hmm. you haven't done this before, or you're not a major investor. Do your research. I mean, go on these platforms. If you have an area that um, you're really interested in, figure out how many other listings are in this area. Right. How many other listings that are three bedrooms, two baths, that are four bedrooms, two baths, that have pools, that have heated pools, and start to kind of, you know, identify who your comp set will be. Because if you go into it blindly, and I see this all too often, this is not a dig on realtors, I understand why they're doing it, but every single listing that's not in an HOA, this could be a great, <laughs> great short-term, short-term rental. rental. <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. a lot of them don't. And it's just a marketing ploy because then when the right. time comes of like, how do you know it could be a great short-term right. rental? Well, there's no HOA. That's not the only That's reason it could not be a the good first answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to know like how many in your neighborhood or in your zip code or in, you know, a two square mile radius when you're looking at Verbo or you're looking at Airbnb's map feature, which is a super helpful feature, how much density is there? Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going to be able to dictate, you know, how much market share you're actually going to be able to steal from these other homes. Right. And at what price? Yep. Because what you'll start to see, especially with people who've owned their homes, you know, significantly longer, they can take a little bit less. They can. They, they don't paid less. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They don't need the $499. They can fade to a $375 and still be totally fine. Whereas you have your newer buyer, newer owner that if they don't get that, they're not making their mortgage. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simplified way of looking at it because ultimately, if you don't get the booking, you're not making your mortgage anyway. So right. now your opportunity cost was the $125 delta. So had you dropped your rate, you would have gotten something. And now you're sitting with nothing because you wanted to hold firm at $499 because of, you know, you think your home is worth X. Oh, how much do we come across? That? Exactly. Yeah. And then, and I always um, caution against don't price yourself against a hotel room. It's a completely different problem. Oh, that's good advice. So, I mean, hotels, yes, they look at short-term rentals, but the market share that is being moved from hotels to short-term rentals is very small. And it's really on the transient side, to Shan's point of like your work travel, your midweek work travel, that normally they could go and stay at Hilton or a Hyatt or a Marriott or Starwood. They have those points or they have that work perk. But now if they have the flexibility and they can stay elsewhere, they're looking at ones, you know, 
studios and one bedrooms. Mm -hmm. They're not looking to buy or to rent a five-bedroom house. And so to try to suggest that like, oh, well, if you were going to the Super Bowl and you wanted to stay at the Phoenician and there was 10 of you, you'd have to get five hotel rooms and the price of Try each of those... Try and make them line up. Right. right. And it's just, it's not apples to apples because right. it's a different consumer. Right. Um, that consumer very well might do both. Like, I love a hotel, but I obviously, ha- you know, have a lot of fun in STRs yep. as well. It depends on what I'm doing, who I'm traveling with, mm-hmm. how long I'm staying, mm-hmm. you know, how much work do I want to do when I'm there? Exactly. And I don't mean like yeah. working. I mean, like, no, like do I want to do, do laundry? Do I want to cook? Do right. I want to fend for myself at midnight after I've had a couple of drinks <laughs> no, I and I need a snack. Call room service. Yeah. Okay? Yes. I yes. want those luxuries. And right. so, you know, it, it it really depends on what you're doing. And so to suggest that you're going to compare five hotel rooms to a five-bedroom house, they're not comparable. I agree. And we have three women in the room that can help probably anybody that were to call us. So how can anyone get a hold of, let's start with uh, let's start with Carrie. Perfect. Um, I'd say the best route to get a hold of me, either my LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carrie and Schindler are both spelled like nobody thinks they are. C-A-R-E-Y-S-H-I-N-D-L-E-R. <laughs> but I'd love you to find me just going to the Avant Stay website. Mm-hmm. So it's just avantstay.com. And you could submit an inquiry right there. And then we'll get back to you same day. And we've got great realtor partnerships as well. So if we have realtors that are looking at homes on behalf of their clients or their owners, um, maybe they're looking to sell, maybe they haven't sold, but they've been on the market for a while and they want to pivot. We entertain realtors all the time to be able to provide them with some underwriting and projections on, you know, what would it take to turn this home from a single family, you know, residence to a single family rental. Good, good to know. I'm the opposite. Don't go to my LinkedIn. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Real Estate in Real Life is my branded business name. That's why I'm pretty active all the time. But also Shan at realestateinreallife.com is my email. Uh, My name is spelled C-H-I-A-N-N-E, but it looks like Shan. It looks like Cheyenne, but it's pronounced Shan. So just there. Sounds like. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like my parents are crazy. <laughs> On that note, thank you, ladies, so much. Thank this you for was so much us. fun. I know thank there's so like a hundred more topics we could have kept going into, so we will just have to do it again. Sometime. We'll come back Part next two. week. Part two. <laughs> Bye. Thank Bye. you. You've been listening to Smashing Through Walls, a place for robust conversations about the building and blocks of Arizona commercial and real estate investments. Host Carla McGee is a commercial real estate broker with MHG Commercial, powered by My Home Group. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of my home and do not constitute any offer or advertisement of business or services. The real estate market is cyclical and listeners assume all responsibility should any return on investment, tax consequences, credit effects, or financing terms not meet their expectations. Guests may not be qualified to provide financial, legal, or tax advice regarding a real estate transaction. Listeners are advised to obtain professional tax and legal advice and counsel. 